This is The Long Run Show with Austin P. Wilson and Michael J. O'Connor. The Long Run Show is brought to you by Benzinger Podcasts for listeners like you. Thank you. All right. Welcome back to The Long Run Show. This is Austin Wilson, and I'm here with my co-host, Michael O'Connor. And we are going to be talking today about the psychology of investing. And uh, we might we might broaden a little bit more into the psychology of money as well. Um, there's definitely a lot of a lot of interesting um, biases and psychological problems and <laughs> downfalls and pitfalls and uh, a whole roller coaster of of uh, of things when it relates to how we think about investing, how we think about money, how we relate to it. Um, so this this topic kind of is coming up. Uh, we, we decided to talk about this because of the pullback we've seen in the markets recently. Um, just it, it was actually kind of interesting timing wise, because I think it's been almost precisely a year since uh, since GameStop. I think that was last weekend yeah. um, was kind of the, the one year mark of the GameStop meme stock craze. And um then this this January, instead of a crazy meme stock rally, we're having a little bit of a, a little bit of red on the ledger. So um, it's been a been an interesting couple of months um, after all the run up of, of 2021. I mean, nothing new here. But if we if we do start dipping down into uh, bear market territory, there's definitely some some um, ways, different ways that people react, both positive and negative. So we're, we're going to kind of cover all of that. Today. And I think this is an episode that we've done so many similar episodes. Like it's, it's weird because we've, we've talked about what this is, the psychology of investing. We've talked about value, like all these things we've touched on so many of these points that I, I feel like this is, this is a great episode to dive deeper into that because it's, it's something that I think any, any trader or investor should understand how they perceive losses or gains or knowing what they're going to do in the future and kind of, understanding how you can be affected by that is so important. And we've just, we've touched on a lot of these topics, but we haven't taken the time to dive deep. And I think that's really helpful at, at, like you said, at a time like this. Um, So I'm, I'm really excited. Same here. And actually I'm going to call you out. You have a little bit of uh, like a, like an insider expertise upfront, (laughs) close knowledge of the crazy psychology of, of investing because um, you did a lot of day trading back in the day, back in high school, I think, and, yeah. and a little bit in college. Yeah. Um, and you were doing like crazy, like crazy diametric trading. Yeah, yeah. You got into uh, some wonky stuff, but but you like definitely experienced that firsthand. And now I've uh, since through your uh, whether good or bad, we'll, we'll call it neutral uh, influence. <laughs> I ventured into some some more uh, speculative kind of trades myself recently. So I'm just like slowly dipping my pinky toe in the in the kind of speculative end of things and it's interesting um but i've definitely experienced some of the like oh the 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 uh call i bought is up 134 percent. this is amazing and then the next day is down 40 percent. i'm like <laughs> wait what what's going on here so i've definitely <laughs> experienced that before but you you were experiencing that like on a daily basis for for a long a long while um what were what were some of the kind of like key i guess I guess we'll go with like key downfalls you saw, um, whether in yourself or in, you know, the, the traders that you were talking to and, and kind of learning from as well. That's a, that's a wild, I like that question because, and yeah, like you said, I did, I did a lot of trading, um, when I was younger and to be honest, I kind of burn out of it. Like nowadays I, I do 
kind of research, moderate amount of research, and then pick a stock to hold for anywhere between like four months and three years is mm-hmm. kind of my horizon now. So I, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm too tired. <laughs> my joints are too creaky to be. You sound old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I mean, that is, uh, it's, it's, there's an element that is, it's just, it's fun. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I enjoy playing blackjack at a good casino as well. And there, and like, as much as people joke about, Oh, like investing is gambling. It's like, it's not, but, you can have very similar like experiences with it. And I think that that ties exactly into the biggest downfall for myself. And what I've heard from other people is the problem is you can have gains and bigger gains and bigger gains and bigger gains, but it's never going to be unless you set, unless somehow you set, you have the mental aptitude to set a goal. Like I'm going to make this percentage a day or this amount of dollars a day or or across months or in a strategy, you're always, it's so easy to go and make a ton of money and then, okay, shoot, I made all this money. Well, I got to make more. And it's super, super easy to only appreciate a little bit when you have a big win. Whereas whenever you have a small loss, it's a bad day. And if you have a huge catastrophic loss, you're really having a hard time. And is that, that's just, kind of baked into human psychology is the loss aversion where people surveyed would rather get, or I'm sorry, would rather lose, wait a minute. They would, oh, rather, it was rather like lose like $50 mm-hmm. than if it's a 50. Okay. <laughs> that was a bad, <laughs> essentially, essentially the like an experiment where people would rather lose less money than they could gain if it was a, a chance yeah so essentially yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my mind was all good blowing was, up was there racing. you were you, I, I mentioned diametric trading and you went you went back to that time you're like oh my gosh um no 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 so what you yeah the loss uh the loss aversion bias so like you would rather lose 20 bucks than have the possibility of making like 50 um or excuse me or no you would <laughs> this is great this is great so if you had <laughs> Gosh. Okay, so if you had a a situation <laughs> where where someone gave you an option, say I'm going to flip a coin, and you can play this game or not. If the coin lands heads, you win fifty dollars. If the coin lands tails, you have to give me thirty dollars or something. There's some there's some specific uh, calculation. I don't I don't know off the hand, but most of the time, the people will choose to not play the game because of the risk oh. of losing. The risk gotcha. of losing less money, even though it's technically a 50-50 shot for the same amount of money, it, you, you should, because you have, because there's a difference in the money, you should play that game 100% of the time, according to game theory. But because of loss aversion, people people discount the value of future money and value and increase the perception of the value of losing, Right, which right. is a, a very interesting thing. But it makes sense. It makes from sense. From like a... Like a- ancestral yeah you got to worry about the tiger behind the rock rather than oh i might get a handful of berries over here you know yeah the tiger will eat you and you will not have any more decisions to make (laughs) exactly (laughs) so it doesn't need yeah you have to weight that pretty high yeah so that that makes sense and it's almost like getting caught up there's a we've had a lot of weird acronyms and like memes and all sorts of stuff come out of 2021 but the one um that there's two that are really interesting 
in re relating to uh, investing is, is FOMO, which has been around in other places, but it's been used a ton in the last couple of years. Uh, is FOMO and then FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, and the, the FOMO, the fear of missing out, it's almost like, you know, you would, you would rather, you, you would keep, you would want to keep playing, but the FOMO and then the loss aversion make this weird cocktail where it's like, you want to keep playing, but you don't want to lose any more money, but mm. you're really scared about missing out on big gains. And so it seems like that would cloud your judgment between the two of them alone would, would very much cloud your judgment. Um, yeah. And, and did you find that was more the case? Did it, did it matter what the overall market was doing or did it really, you were just focused on one stock. And so it kind of just mattered what that one stock was doing. It depended on, I mean, as, as I got more sophisticated, I'd be doing diametrically opposed trades. So on like VIX leveraged VIX um, versus um, leveraged ETFs or even single stocks. Um, but essentially playing both when, you know, if, if, if you got some sort of thing, that's going to be the inverse or, or short sells or, you know, options, you got calls and puts on the inverse uh, and you have a volatile enough security you can be pretty sure if there's enough applied volatility, you can be pretty sure that you can buy when it's down and then sell whatever you have that would correlate to it being up. So you're, so you're essentially saying when this, this one thing that is valuable, when the other thing is not valuable and not valuable when the other thing is valuable, I'm going to buy both. I'm going to, I'm going to simultaneously have both, but not necessarily at the same, not with the same weighting, and so you're essentially you're going back and forth as volatility goes up and down, as the price goes up and down, um, you're really in, in some ways you're counting on volatility and change, but the market is always changed. So there's always going to be movement. Right. Now, the key with that is that that was in a pretty flat market, which you need. You can't have a stock that just dives and you're buying the inverse thing, expecting it to, yeah, to blow it up. So it doesn't I mean, no strategy is perfect, um, but. To get back to your question, not to dive, we could dive way too deep. <laughs> um, to get back to your question, um, it's an interesting point because I think that even in a strategy like that, that's pretty quantitative, um, it could really be easy to pull the qualitative elements, the FOMO, the FUD, like, like it's, it's, it's very easy to pull those things back in as a yeah. human being. Like even if you start off with a plan and say, this is just a quant thing and this is what I'm going to do. It's so easy to, you know, hear someone say, Oh, this, this thing's going to go way up. And sometimes yeah. sometimes it's a GameStop, you know, like that should have listened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I'd listened to that more, but it's very easy to get sucked out of a specific plan and start doing your own thing without actually looking into it and you kind of like oh this this could work over there too i don't want to miss out on this so there's a lot to that and it's something that um i mean that's part of the reason why i stopped um being so because it it takes I, I i believe it takes like a psychological energy to keep yourself from falling prey to the biases and the heuristics and everything because you're constantly having to check yourself mm -hmm. and and kind of say no, no no hold on and i at least for me, that takes up energy. Every yeah. time you're doing that, it's it's, it's draining and well, tiring. Yeah, and there's only so much willpower that you can have in a in a you know day. Or I don't I don't know if it necessarily resets in a day, but probably probably around a day or a week time. So you're using up a, a finite amount of willpower every time you have to check yourself with a strategy like that. So that makes sense. And some people are great at it. I mean, like the top traders in Wall Street, they're probably just 
incredibly good at understanding themselves and willpower and how to mitigate stress and take quantitative opportunities, but also, you know, weigh exterior information. So there's, there's so much going on. So it's like, it depends on your personality too, mm-hmm. which I think is the reason why the vast majority of people just go with financial advisor or, you know, IRA with ETFs or something like that, because it, there is energy that's required to be yeah. doing those kind of things. Yeah. And I, it's, it is always interesting to me where people, people are like, well, I want, I want the, I want the like, quant returns i I want the wall street returns but i don't want to do anything (laughs) and i'm like well there's a there's a premium you pay to get those returns whether it's a financial premium or like you're saying an an energetic premium um you have to pay a premium to get that so yeah it's it's always interesting to to see that and that's that's also just like a everybody's looking for the the uh the pill the easy fix yeah easy money and i mean if (laughs) If it was easy, we'd all have six packs and be rich billionaires, you know, like <laughs> yeah. there, there is uh, there's a reason willpower willpower is hard and sticking to a strategy is hard. Um, so in a in a bear market like this, where it seems like we've well, excuse me, we're not in a bear market yet. I'm not calling anything, <laughs> but in a market like here this, <laughs> no, 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 no. In a, in a market like this, where you now have like what I just said, you now have you have headlines saying, oh, is 2022 going to have a bear market? What's really interesting to me is we had a, it wasn't like 2021 was a great year as far as catalysts. There was a lot of craziness happening. I mean, we broke records on inflation. We had all sorts of COVID scares and re-lockdowns and opening back up and then shutting countries off and just trade craziness. Like there was a lot of turmoil in 2021. And so What's always interesting to me is when you have a like a like a market reversal where you're going really hot, going really hot. It looks like oh, stocks just go up. And that's what the you know when you when you're <laughs> when your barber's like giving you financial advice, and then then you know something's a little wild. Um, but when when we're in that situation, and then we have a reversal, and we start seeing some down days, and those days string into weeks, and the weeks string into a month or two, and we start seeing this reversal. What's interesting to me is how much is how and and I don't know whether we can answer this question, but I I think a large amount of that is driven by some. Of course, we've got the invisible hand of the market, um, but some of that is driven by just like a collective psychology around where we think the future is going to go. Right. And what's interesting to me is what's the catalyst there? Because it's not. It's not necessarily, it's definitely not the talking heads on, on TV. It's not us bozos on the podcast here. <laughs> um, it's, it's no, it's no pundit that definitely like goes ahead and, and just says, oh yeah, this is, this is where the market's going. And then boom, that crashes the market. It's no one thing. Um, it's not necessarily interest rates or the, the easing or it's, it's not necessarily one thing. Right. But it does seem like there's some collective, mind that that just goes okay yep we're gonna go left now instead of going right what's what's your take on that is it do you do you think we could ever really understand what the catalyst is for that that turn that turning point or is it just so ethereal it's gonna be it's it's kind of one of the mysteries of the market if you will that's a another really good question um and it's like the there's almost it's it's almost a hive mind the market yeah yeah exactly you know where there's there's, there's different nodes and it's a whole colony of ants that are all 
noodling around. And all that. <laughs> um, that's a good point. Though, but what are the catalysts of that? It's, it's, I, I think that, I mean, we haven't seen, for instance, earnings have not been that bad. And some companies have had very good earnings calls the last couple months. Yeah. Um, it, it's not necessarily, I, I don't necessarily see a gigantic, like, oh my gosh, everything is so overpriced. It's everything's going to go down 50 to 75%, <laughs> something like that. I really don't see that happening. I see certain stocks very well could, um, you know, if they're getting caught up in, psychological things going on they very well could right. and i definitely think i've definitely heard a lot of people saying okay this is going to be more value stocks more old yep. school gold miners goldman yep. sachs you know <laughs> banks you know stuff that's just pretty darn normal and you know <laughs> makes returns and pays dividends yep um i mean even just personally i've shifted a lot of my strategy because of the the market i've shifted a lot towards those more value stocks, low, you know, like lower priced, uh, good dividends, solid methodology, you know, good for selling covered calls and, and just kind of riding around. Yeah, you were. Yeah, that's a kind of an interesting point. You were saying you're just buying kind of like traditional value stocks and then selling covered calls on them. Yeah, which is not a bad, not a bad way to go. Just yeah, have some quote unquote free income yeah. for, <laughs> for for those stocks. But it is interesting. It's like. Maybe it's a shift in mentality, and and with a crowd, it's so hard to pick out. Mm. Like, okay, what was the catalyst for this? So it's an unfair question. I know that going in, I knew that, but but it is it is interesting because there definitely seems like it's it's a shift. But of course, just like the six packs and being a rich billionaire, if everybody knew when it was going to shift, we'd all make a lot of money. But then that would defeat the shift because it just wouldn't shift. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's like the the passive versus active debate. Like can't be all active, can't be all passive. Otherwise, neither strategy would would really exist. Yeah, and and but it is a good question though because, and we can kind of dive in a little bit because I think that what we're seeing because it's not this massive drop, it points almost to more of like a grinding pessimism. It's not necessarily. Uh, oh my gosh, we're screwed. It's it's a, oh, geez, like COVID is really dragging on. There's just, the supply chain is, as far as I know, not doing a ton better. It's not, it's not in a crisis mode as far as I know, but like, we're not seeing like, oh my gosh, everything is great. And I think a lot of individual people and institutions thought that by now, okay, everything's going to be yeah. pretty solid. Like we're back in the upswing. Um, so it feels more like a, a kind of rare grinding pessimistic market rather than kind yeah. of what, what is talked about, which is a big crash or something. Like yeah, that. that's interesting. Well, I mean, the, the headlines have to be, if it bleeds, it leads, yeah. right? So yeah. the headlines have to be catchy. So that's why they go for the big crash and oh, all this red and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it is interesting what you're saying, kind of a grinding, a grinding like, pessimism i think is a good way to put it because i was looking at the the just the one year chart from today back one year and if you if you just look at the one year chart it it is not quite i mean it's it's pretty impressive but it's not quite as impressive as when you zoom out and look at the five year chart or if you looked at the two year chart obviously that would be very impressive um the the run up i think in 2020 was pretty outrageous 
but that might just be the reference point of having that huge catalyst of COVID happening and everything shutting down. You see that DV. But in 2021, it almost looks like we were hanging on to, to, to kind of parallel your pessimism. We were like hanging on to a grinding optimism mm. and like, oh, don't worry. We're going to get back through. And now, now people are just like tired of that. Um, and they're tired of being so optimistic. Um, which is a very sad thing to like say. I don't. I, I don't mean to be such a downer, but um, it seems like people were were like begrudging, not begrudgingly, but like hope, hopeful and very optimistic, and, and and we're like really trying to push that. And now it's just like, oh, okay, this is a calendar year turn. It's twenty twenty two, and we're still dealing with this. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? Um, I know for me, just personally, like twenty twenty one was such a weird year it almost like it almost seemed like it didn't happen in a mm. way because it was very similar to 2020 in some ways but very different and it, it was it was in this weird twilight zone so i maybe that's a maybe that's a collective thing too and and people are kind of like you know getting out of the twilight zone going huh we, we might want to reevaluate here i don't know um but that is interesting that you said it you said it that way it was it's like a grinding pessimism instead of this you know catalyst that just yeah makes this deep v in the, in the yeah. chart you know <laughs> um it, it is interesting so in a in a situation like this i've noticed myself even going dang like i i so in the the cryptos that i hold the small amount of crypto that i hold there's like one cosmos that's really buoying the whole thing up um because everything else has just dropped and in the the stock side of things like i don't really hardly look at most of that most of that's just long term in an ira um but i have made like some uh, a call position recently uh, just because it was very very nicely priced but in in both of those sections like the crypto side and the, the stock side it's very interesting to like look at it and go dang i bought in at this price and now I'm way below that. And it makes me, at first, my first reaction is, oh, wow, I should not buy anymore. But then I think I, I stop myself and I think through it. I'm like, oh, actually, no, that means it's on sale. I should go buy more right now if I believe in the underlying asset, obviously. Yeah. Um, but if I don't believe in it, I don't know why I'm holding it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it it is interesting. Do you think there's more than just that more than reminding yourself okay this means everything's on sale i should go out and buy um again this isn't we're not telling you to buy you can do whatever <laughs> you'd like this is not financial advice but do you think there's more than just reminding yourself like okay this might be a buying opportunity um is there something more how do you how do you kind of qualify that like okay this is a buying opportunity or no i just need to hold and i think it's probably a prudence thing i, I guess i'll answer part of it i think it's probably a prudence thing where you need to you need to kind of evaluate what the goal is for that pool of money and then see how you want like how risky you want to be right yeah and and i think the really the really unique and interesting thing which i i, I don't i haven't seen it talked about a ton yet but the fact that interest rates are going up, I mean, obviously that is most likely going to cause a lot of institutional money to go out of stocks and into bonds and into, uh, you true. Know, 
more interest rate focused things because now they're actually viable again. So there's a question yeah. of, you know, have stocks just kind of been kind of artificially propped up by the fact that you just can't make money on anything else mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because th- that's, that's a serious I mean, problem. There were, there were preferred stock funds that were paying really nice dividends that looked far more attractive than a bond fund, which is weird because it's a, it's an underlying underlying it's an equity. It's going to be volatile. It's going to be very volatile. So that, that was weird <laughs> to look at in 2021. You're like, huh, I would rather buy this the stock fund for my bond portion of my portfolio. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. So that's a good point. I mean, maybe that's part of the rotation. I, I, I don't, I don't know that that's been fully appreciated yet. Um, but usually the, the market is pricing in future returns, not today's returns. Right. So maybe, maybe that's kind of some of the sentiment underlying yeah. uh, and just hasn't been spoken up loud yet. That's yeah. the point. Because I think I think that the, the the sequence of events that's occurring right now is very unique in that even just cycle. I just looking at my own psychology of okay, how do how am I planning out my you know my next moves in whatever market? It's like okay, I would love to have more liquidity to buy more stocks since it's going down. Yeah, but with inflation, things are getting more expensive, and the stocks are going down at the same time. So there's a bad double negative going on there. Yeah. And so it's weighing that comparatively. Okay, should I be throwing this in a in a bond or in a high interest savings account so that I have it extremely liquid if I need it? Should I be you know going heavy into these value stocks because they're going to go back up? Do I need to be using less liquidity? Should I just keep things in cash for a little while and see what happens? So there's a lot of different psychological inputs that are going on because it's a very complex situation. And you got COVID and supply chain difficulties, yeah, and all sorts of other stuff going on. So there's a lot of uncertainty in the market right now. Yeah. What do you, so uncertainty, we've got the, the FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I, I don't know if we have doubt necessarily right now. A lot of things have fallen into place. I think before the, the Fed made their moves clear, there was a lot of doubt and like people were not sure where, where the direction was, was going to head. Um, so I think there's less doubt and uncertainty, but there's definitely fear um, and just, I guess, a general uneasiness. Um, going into 2022. So when I look at that, I go, okay, well, for my strategy of like long-term, just buy and hold, just hodling on the S&P, baby. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I look at that, I'm like, okay, great. It's almost just a, you know, it's just an opportunity for me to get in at a, a low entry price. Honestly, most of it's automated. So I just think to myself, oh, great. My, my buy this month is going to be cheaper than it probably would <laughs> normally be, you know? Um, so that's kind of nice. But is there a certain, um, you know, throwing in all of, obviously there's many different, um, you know, classes of stocks and different, um, different sectors that we could look at, but throwing in different things too, like the, the alts, like we mentioned, VinoVest before, that's like a wine investing platform. Uh, NFTs, crypto, do we look to those in a situation like this where there's a lot of uncertainty? Because you hear the term like risk off mentality. And I think that's being used a lot to explain the crypto sell off. Um, And it's been wild to notice how tightly correlated it seems stocks and cryptos are when there's no underlying fundamental connection. Um, That's been interesting. But we were looking at the NFT space like a few days ago and that was still booming. 
And maybe it's because, like, my thought is maybe it's because, you know, a lot of those are built on Ethereum. And when you transfer, you have gas fees. Now that Ethereum's down, okay, there's more gas fees. So, or excuse me, there's less gas fees. So it's easier to transfer, therefore, more market activity and therefore it's booming. Um, but, you know, looking at this without thinking of our own biases and our, our own psychology, we would go, oh, okay, I need to be afraid. I need to, to hoard more cash. Don't put it to work. But is that the wrong thing to do? Should we be looking outside of stocks and crypto and be thinking about it differently? Maybe the, you know, maybe the the option is to put some of your cash to work and buy a house. I, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts there? Like it, it kind of coming at it from a different angle, realizing we've got some psychological, you know, biases going on. I think that's a really important thing to note and an important question because we've talked so far we've talked mostly about what's going on right now but as the name of the show it's the long run show so stuff like this will happen as the years go by over and over again so i think it'd be helpful to have a a framework around it exactly so when it comes up again you know what to do or at least what questions to ask not necessarily what to do yeah and and i think that it's it's a really interesting the 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 kind of realm of alternative investing seems to really have boomed in the last like year and a half, mm-hmm. which it's, it's kind of funny because you would think that that would boom when stocks weren't necessarily doing well. Like, Oh, I need a, I need a alternative, but it's, it's really seems more like, Oh, I made a ton of money on these stocks. They're probably going to have to go down at some point. So I want to take that, take the yeah, return yeah. and put it somewhere else. Yeah. So it's a very interesting uh, chain of events. And because of that, uh, I, I think that there's going to be, I think there's possibly going to be less alternative investing as the market trends down because mm-hmm. there's going to be less returns for people to take and say, I've made good money on this. So I'm going to put it in all rather than I think a lot of people are going to hold or buy more stocks as they dip theoretically, which will, I, I think paradoxically is going to reduce um, the amount Maybe not the value. I think the value of alternative investments could continue to rise, but I think less people will be investing in alternative investments because oftentimes there is a liquidity problem. And in a situation yeah. with high interest rates, um, with well, higher, still essentially no interest rate. <laughs> uh, high, yeah, this is not a high interest rate situation. High but... is, higher is relative. <laughs> yeah. High is relative and yeah. higher is... Is, is not really what you think yeah. in this situation. <laughs> With uh, slightly increased interest rates <laughs> yeah, and um, relatively interesting inflation, um, <laughs> I think that that there's this there's a liquidity pr- and not to get all Keynesian and the liquidity trap. I don't I think we're okay. It's nothing like that, but there is a liquidity problem with a lot of alternative investments. Yeah. And it's, it's, it varies. You know, I mean, so, that's the premium you pay for yeah. non-correlated asset. Right. Exactly. So it, it makes sense. I, I do a lot of the time alts get <laughs> alt is like a lazy way to just say real estate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't want it, I don't want people to think like we're just thinking, oh yeah, REIT or buying and holding your own real estate. Cause there's more than that. There's um, I, I don't know if I would necessarily call crypto an alt. I don't know. I'm I'm still unsure on that. But there's VinoVest. There's buying art. Um, there's even some art funds, kind of like VinoVest. There's platforms out there where you can buy like a, a 
portion of an art piece. Like masterworks um, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's things that are very, very uncorrelated. But you're right. It, there probably is going to be the problem of, okay, do I want to tie my money up in this for five years while I don't know what's going to happen in one year, right? Um, and I, I think if it was just kind of a choppy market or a downtrending market, it would be different. But or it, it would be very like it would people would look at it and go, oh, yeah, maybe I'll throw some money in, in alts to diversify and get away from this choppy market. But I think with the inflation, that added factor, that's something that everyone's actually feeling. Uh, I mean, especially like you go to fill up your, your car and it's more expensive than it was six months ago or eight months ago. And so that's something that everyone's noticing and actually directly feeling. Whereas interest rates, I mean, a ton of people refinanced in 2020 when interest rates went down. So they're locking in those loans for like 10, 15, 20, 30 years. They're not going to feel the interest rate hike directly. They'll feel it in other ways, obviously, but they won't feel as direct because they, they refinanced and their interest rate is now like one and a half percent or something stupid. <laughs> yeah. so, so they're not going to feel it as much as inflation, which adds to the uncertainty. And so if if they hear spooky headlines coming from from Wall Street and they see inflation impacting their their lives directly, I think that makes people even even the most kind of uh, like like I, I, I don't want to say advanced. That's not the right word. That's not the word I'm looking for. The, the most uh, sophisticated like investor is going to be thinking about inflation and they're, they're I don't care how much money you have. You're probably going to notice it somehow. Um, and so I think that adds to this kind of like uncertainty of do I want to put my money elsewhere and lock it up when I don't know what I'm going to need it for in the near future? Um, because it, inflation is just like a spooky thing. I've talked to a few people recently about it, and it's just a spooky thing to, to a normal person who doesn't think about finance as much as we do. It's really spooky because they're like, well, I put my money in the bank and now you're telling me a year it's in a year it's going to be seven percent less in value like it just sat there i didn't do anything with it like what the heck and so that that is that like psychologically is kind of terrifying uh, to to think about your money losing value without you doing anything to yeah it. and i think that what what you just touched on i think comes back to the, the psychological principles and saying okay like if we're if we you know if we're thinking like psychologically people might be selling their stock and putting money in alternative investments right now or something like that using reverse psychology or figuring out those psychological trends and saying, all right, I'm going to be a contrarian. Usually you can do pretty darn well. in so stuff like the markets, like mm -hmm. if you buy, if you buy the dip, if you buy the big V in March, <laughs> and, you know, like if you'd bought in March 23rd, 2020. Yeah. yeah there, you would have huge, it. huge potential. So maybe there's a, there's a, in terms of your long-term, how you think about your portfolio, the markets in general, you know, I think that there is real value to taking a contrarian approach of, because even just in the situation that we were just talking about, let's say you have real estate holdings, let's say alternative holdings. When is your time horizon for you're going to sell? Right. Because maybe the best thing to do is sell that now and buy a bunch of stocks as they're trending downward. Maybe not. That's just an example. But in a situation where you're kind of, first instinct is to say, oh, I got to get out of stocks. They're going down. 
alts are good. They've been going up for a while yeah. and I've jumped into alts. Maybe you've made a lot in alts and you're like, shoot, I have a lot. I mean, real estate market's been crazy. Yeah. When do you yeah. pull out? When do you take the return on that? Yeah. And then what do you do with it? I think that, so that kind of leads me into to our, you know, takeaways, key takeaways for the, for this episode. And mine are not necessarily like, Oh, look at this sector. Look at, you know, consider this, this innovation or whatever. My key takeaways from all of this conversation are when, when you see a lot of uncertainty and you see a lot of red in the market, and maybe we're trending towards a bear market. When you see that happening, first thing, take a deep breath or, <laughs> or five, chill out a little bit. And, and that's hard to do. I'm saying that kind of glibly, but that's hard to do. Um, chill and then ask yourself, okay, what is my goal for the money that I have that is at risk right now? And so that could, that could be in your stock portfolio. It could be crypto. It could be all like alt, alt it could be, you know, real estate. It could be the money in the bank and you're concerned about inflation. What's the goal for that money? If you don't, if you don't need that money for 10 years at, at the, the shortest, you really probably don't need to worry that much. If it's a long time horizon, you really don't need to worry. Now, if it's, if it's within a year and you're saving up for a down payment and you're really concerned and you have it in a stock portfolio and it's coming close to the time where you're going to need to plop that down payment in cash, okay, you probably want to make a, have a plan of action. But understanding your goal for the, the money that you're concerned about, I think, is the number one question to ask. And then you can get into, okay, once I know the goal for that money, how do I want to react to what's happening? But that's my biggest takeaway here is, is ask, what's the goal for the, the money that's at risk and that you're concerned about? What's the goal for that money? And then go from there. Yeah, and I I really like that because that's your understanding. And I think that gets back to when something positive happens, when you make mm -hmm. a ton of money, because we've talked a lot about the negative sides yeah. of psychology, but just to touch on the positive a little bit, it's having that plan of, you know, when you when you buy Bitcoin at $100, a coin <laughs> and it goes up to 60,000, you know, like having a plan of like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to take the return or not or whatever. Like, again, going back to the goal of the money, you know, in a positive scenario, you're oftentimes going to naturally think it's just going to keep going up or, uh, you know, there's a whole there's a whole host of of different ways that you can kind of trick yourself. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the the classic adage of know thyself uh, is just, I mean, crucial in life in general, but definitely, definitely in the markets as well. And in, in good times and in bad, mm -hmm. just taking the time to understand and what's going on. Like you said, it's <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So death, do you part from exactly. your stock portfolio? <laughs> yep. yep. You can't take it with you, by the way. It's true. Um, but, but having that, I really like what you said of, you know, in a good time, stepping back, taking five breaths, yeah, saying, "Okay, is this enough?" Where I, according to my plan, according to my, what I'm, the goal is, do I sell? Because maybe it's maybe it's not yet, you know. Maybe it's yeah. maybe it could make a much more. Maybe it doesn't. So there's there's so much interplay there that I I really like what you said. Take a step back, take five breaths, take five minutes if you need to, um, yeah, and know thyself. Yeah, and I think that that also pairing it with getting kind of an outside opinion that you would trust uh, that can be invaluable because you can definitely get caught in your own head again with those own biases of oh it's just going to keep going down or oh it's just going to keep going up i need to stay invested you definitely having an outside person come in 
and say, hey, have you thought of this? Because they're going to come at it from a different angle. That's really helpful. And also, all of this is underlying, you know, having the, the willpower to, to do that, right? Having the willpower to step back, to know what your goals are and have a plan behind it. And that's not necessarily something that everyone's good at. Sometimes I'm not very good at. Um, and so, like, I a lot of times have to talk to people who are smarter than me and go, hey, what should I do here? Um, and so that's that's something where I think having just a little bit more awareness around why you're doing what you're doing with with your uh, with your money, I think that helps out with a lot of the psychological biases, whether good or bad, like you said, could be in the positive direction, could be in the negative direction. Yeah, that sounds about right. Awesome. <laughs> well, this has been another episode of the Long Run Show. And uh, definitely tune in next time. If you can leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to uh, right now, that would be fantastic. Definitely uh, the, the five-star reviews help. If you want to leave a one-star, um, <laughs> just don't. <laughs> Come pester us on LinkedIn. That would be fun. If you really want to leave a one-star, just message us on LinkedIn. Find us. We'd be happy to understand why you wanted to leave a one-star. Um, unless you're rude and I just won't answer you. <laughs> But other than that, we appreciate it. Appreciate you. Uh, we'll, we'll look forward to having another discussion next time. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.